everybody. Welcome back to the Great and Terrible AHS. We are doing part two of con Continuum. Was that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why either. <laughs> I guess because literally the last scene in the episode is why Continuum. Oh, God. Well, yeah, you, you, you probably just came off the first episode. Um, should we do like a little a little recapping? I can't, God, I can't even remember where we ended up because this episode put such climactic moments at just so random spots yeah it's like um let's see here so kit's like living uh the the in the polycule with uh kids from from oh. grace and uh alma and alma and then alma yeah. gets sick of grace's shit and hits her with an axe uh <laughs> she yells i don't want to see no aliens right and then, yeah. like just straight up chucks an axe into her back yeah yep 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 um it's poetic because grace was an axe murder no, that's not what poetic. <laughs> yeah. they think it's cool they think it's so cool they right. think it's like the coolest thing they've ever done um, um i think the last thing we saw was um because there's like three separate chunks in this like episode yeah. not our episode but like their episode right. when i said in the last episode that like we literally could start our episode from the middle of this episode and it would sound like we were talking about two different episodes of the tv show i was not joking because like right. this for certain um it feels like a separate episode it feels like they didn't have quite enough of one story to like fill a whole episode so they instead did a piss poor job of telling three separate stories in this episode it's so weird right because this is so unnecessary like all of this epilogue you know but like yeah you're right and they don't have enough time to tell the epilogue they've started so it's rushed it's well, like the worst part is they're telling this epilogue and then they're going to continue to do more with the characters which like an epilogue you it's the end. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Writing them out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, there is almost yeah. There's really like nothing left, really. Epilogue. You know? Epilogue is a synonym for the part where you leave the show not by dying. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like <laughs> my my Latin's not super strong, but I'm pretty sure epilogue is not. Hey, let's just keep going. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Epilogue. I have more story to tell you. I have more oh. of the original story to tell you. Epilogue. Oh shit! Two more episodes. Well, all right. You know, like it. No. This the way this show is paced. You'd think the last two episodes were DLC. Yeah. <laughs> it's really they, weird. These last two episodes are like I'm four pages in on a minimum five page report or essay for school, and then I'm figuring out how to make the font bigger and the just more but i have to add like a couple paragraphs of like yeah and then what about the thing you know and just like kind of going along to meet that requirement briar cliff is a land of contrasts <laughs> with 32 size periods that's right <laughs> oh my god yeah and like um not only that but the things that it chooses to like it it what it tries to do, which is really frustrating, is because it's not quite ready for the epilogue epilogue, because we will have an episode still yet that is a true epilogue, is it's like, oh, well, we wrapped up our actual story, like, way too fast and in extremely, like, unsatisfactory ways, so we're instead going to try and drum up, like, a new mini-story, a couple of little mini-stories for you to care about um, in the interim that very extremely loosely tied together the epilogue and the actual main storyline. Um, you might have recognized one of those uh, tied together, very loosely held together framework stories as the story of Adam Levine's character and his wife at the beginning of this season. Mm -hmm. um, we just do one of those, essentially, um, and just start another subplot in this episode. <laughs> um, what we left off on was introducing the second half of um, what I would consider to be one of, I would say, the second of three main storylines that are going to run in this episode. Um, yeah. Which is um, Jude is still at Briarcliff, and for some reason she's not in the chimney hole they put her in anymore, and she's just there. <laughs> I guess. Also is in an unbelievably wildly 
like fluctuating mental state as we're about to much to my chagrin and frustration they can't decide if jude is has brain problems or not yeah and they also don't want us to really know um just so you're aware so we kind of led in to this part in our last episode because it i cannot overstate that you do not know what's about to happen next if you think you do you're full of shit um, because we left off with the Monsignor coming in and telling Jude, like, hey, I feel bad that I'm leaving you here. I've become the Pope of New York or whatever. I'm going to get you out of here. And her being like, all right, I believe you. Um, and that's like kind of where we left off. Uh, because yeah. in case you forgot, um, he tells her that they sold <clears throat> Briarcliff to a prison to use as an overflow unit. Um, that is unfortunately more relevant to the rest of the story than you'd hope it would be. Um. <laughs> uh, also, as a reminder, uh, Jude, like, had her faculties, like, was speaking fine, was totally aware of what was around her, like, by all metrics, was recovering or had recovered from the time they shot her brain with lightning a bunch. Gee, yep. um, Gee what an odd disclaimer, Ty. I hope there's no reason you're Just wanted you to up. know that over the first couple months, she was notably getting better and I, had almost, if not completely, recovered. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. time to go to the future where she's worse. <laughs> I, would, I would even go one step further and say that in the, like, the little time skip we see when we see her in the, like, the chimney hole where the Monsignor is holding her captive and telling Lana that she's dead. Um, I would go as far as to say she was so lucid that it became a threat to the Monsignor and the establishment, hence why he would need to keep her there where she couldn't, you know, maybe do another expose on Briarcliff. Otherwise, the Monsignor has um, quite literally zero motivation to have kept this character uh sequestered away in the depths of Briarcliff. He has literally no reason to, especially if she does not have her faculties about her. Just keep that in mind for something that will happen later. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we're in the bread room, and they're like really actively making bread. They want you to know that they have a bakery and that they're making bread, and Pepper and Dude are making bread in the bread room, and Jimi Hendrix is playing on the radio, um, and then something completely fucking unhinged happens, uh, and that is... <laughs> Something that I apparently mind hold because when it happened, right? I was like, holy shit, how did I forget this? Right? This whole, like, and next episode, like, I can't believe all this stuff at the end. I, too, like, watched this live <laughs> and I'm looking at this like I've never seen it before. I was like, what? they must have added this as DLC after they released right? it on TV oh. because there was no way I remembered this. Also, in case anyone was wondering, uh, was the Jimi Hendrix song they used thematically appropriate or anything like that? (laughs) It's thematically appropriate in that they decided this uh, episode takes place in 1968, so they looked up which songs from Jimi Hendrix came out in 1968. That's it. Yeah. Uh, So, um, what might have happened that has sent Slow Beef and Liz into such a a riotous uh, reaction? (laughs) Um, It's that the Angel of Death is back, but not in the way that you would think. Um, we forget she, that. She's back. Hey, sugar tits, it's me, the angel of death. I'm here to fuck you up. <laughs> and fuck you. I'm here to fuck you up and fuck you. That's yeah. what I do, babe. You're gonna hate it. I'm Francis Conroy, here from Six Feet Under. My contract's still not fulfilled, I guess. You might think, Ty, there's no way they reintroduced the character who was like this elegant embodiment of death who was like so overflourished and so like clean and crisply designed that she didn't fit in at all in the asylum. How would they possibly bring her back as a chain smoker who's just like, I'm gonna fuck you up. uh, They did. You was one of lesbians bang with me? I really got to make sure I highlight the sexual assault. That's a big part of my character. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. So the angel of death rolls in with her two hench ladies, and they start roughing up the people in the bread room. Um. If I I feel like if I were watching this podcast, I'd be like, time out, time out, time out. But, yeah, no, we're saying these things. They are happening in American horror story. We are not. I cannot overstate that we are not doing a funny bit. This is what is happening in the television show is that they have brought her back. 
Yeah, I, I'm sorry, dear listeners. I'm not that funny. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I, it's so baffling. It's <laughs> Yeah, so the angel of death is now um, a lady with a Boston accent who is an, I am not kidding, and I'm not making this up, a landlord turned murderous serial killer who I guess was brought over from the prison, um, and she has, like, little henchmen, and she's like, I run this place now. Um, And then she goes up to June and is like, hey. Do you want to be on my? You want to be on my team? I, I, I'm gonna fuck ya. And dude's <laughs> like, oh no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Your like, death. I would rather not get fucked to death by death. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I die if we do that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I know what happened to the Monsignor when he got fucked by the devil. That didn't turn out like great. So he became the Cardinal of New York. <laughs> actually, it did, it did turn out. You're right. You're actually <laughs> only after right. he killed the devil. He had to kill he the got devil first. He want- Look, you don't get to kill the devil if you don't have a little devil sex first. There's oh, rules true. to this. He's that's the true. Cardinal of New York. Do you think that's why they made him the Cardinal of New York? Do you think he went to them and was like, I killed the devil. And also I had sex with the devil, but that's not as important. I did kill the devil. And they were like, holy shit, you've got to be the Cardinal of New York. <laughs> like, was, was the devil hot? Like, kind of. You know, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, good job. They're you like, we the- get it, we get it. Yeah. Also, you killed the devil? That kicks ass. You're the Pope of New York or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's how John Paul got it. You, you're in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but cannot overstate that that is, again, not me doing a bit. She is a landlord who killed her tenants. Um, ta-da. Uh, and then, so Jude's like you know what, I'm not into this, I'm going to go ahead and leave. And then she's like, Pepper, you got to believe me, the Monsignor's going to get me out of here. Pepper's like, you're full of shit. He's full of shit. That's not going to happen. Um, also, Alma is here because I guess she was in prison for murdering Grace, and now she's at Briarcliff. Why? I don't know. Um, because they didn't want to make a second set, and also they <laughs> didn't want to write Alma out of the story yet, I guess. I don't know. Um why are we doing anything in this show is the eternal question, really. Yeah. But yeah they like... just wanted Alma to be here. They're like, everybody gets yeah. a turn in Briarcliff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> everybody gets to and, go through case... Briarcliff. And Alma does nothing. I'll just preamble this by Alma does nothing in prison. She shows up and dies. And yeah. that's, her entire, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's her entire plot point yep. of why she's in Briarcliff. And I know yes. a bunch of you just went, oh, Alma dies. Oh, no. What, what will happen? Uh, yeah, just sit on that she thought. She just gets bored, I yeah. guess. <laughs> just sit yeah. on that and ruminate on that for a while and see if you can come up with how she dies. Um, well, we'll get there. Um, so Jude gets back to her cell and sees that Death is now her new roommate. I'm going to call her Death because they don't give her another name. Um, no, right? I checked the Amazon thing. It's like the angel of death. I'm like, I don't think she is here, but whatever. I, As far as we're aware, you know what? Also... The Amazon X-ray lists her as Angel of Death, even during these scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's just, like, ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and, like, uh, the second Jude walks in, and for the rest of the episode that this character is around, Death is going to try and fuck Jude. Um, if Just assume that if Jude and Death are in the same room, Death is trying to fuck Jude. Um, not, like, in a metaphorical sense, like, in the literal sense. Um, she is constantly trying to fuck Jude. Um, yeah. and Jude's not into it. Not Jude's not into it. Not for the reason you would think she's not into it because she's like, you're the angel of death. Like the other factors aren't as important yeah. as you would think. It's really if, just the if death. You kiss thing. Me, it's GG's. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's the main, that's the main concern on the table. Um, yeah, so this is like a crazy pivot, huh? And also, just not acting at all like Death acted before. <gasps> yeah, like, again, said- was very like oh. was very flowery language, very elegant, a lot of very soft delivery of everything. And then on the other hand, you got, hey, baby cakes, come here and get the business. Do you <laughs> like- think? I just had a huge epiphany. Do you think this was like their original plot and then they backed off because they realized how stupid it was? Do you think that like... Death realized how low her KD was by just kissing people. So she's like, I got to pivot. 
I've got to pivot my whole. <laughs> I've got to go to third base. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I've got to like, pivot how I'm packaging this deal. I can't just like show up, talk to people, ask them if they want to die, and then give them a smooch. I've got to kind of like rebrand. And, and most of them say no. So like <laughs> yeah. my rate is terrible. Um, I should. Yeah, I'm sick of waiting for people to die. I'm just gonna make people die. Yeah, <laughs> like, but I'm gonna yeah. repackage it as like a sexy thing. It's gonna be. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Hey, um, also, do you think, yeah, I thought it was maybe the producers go, we haven't had enough sexual assault in this season. There's only been five instances of it or <laughs> threats thereof. We got to go for double digits and here it is again. But whatever. I think death would be a great character to use for this. <laughs> I think the, the angel of death would be a, a perfect fit for this. Maybe uh, that's why. Do you think that's why the devil was like, when she saw that the angel of death was here, she was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> this lady's always repackaging her brand, and it's always something fucking crazy. Maybe she's the dark cousin. Who could say? Anyway. <laughs> So at this point, I was like, okay, clearly they're having Jude like hallucinate all this, but it's so stupid. Like that was the problem is like they're trying to make the inklings of like, well, clearly something's not right. Something must be wrong. But I'm like, but it's so it's such a dumb thing. To yeah. Hallucinate. Like it's not even the right thing. Like that wasn't really her trauma. Right. Like yeah. it wasn't the angel of death being like, hey, do you want to die? And her being like, nah, not really. And then just being like, all right, see ya. <laughs> 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 yeah, like a fear of dying has never been really close on like Jude's like plate of things she's worried about. And also like when death does confront her in previous episodes, she's like, no, no, I'm cool with dying, but I would like to do something it's, first. And then she usually yeah, does like, it. That's the zealotly religious are famously good at accepting death. That's like a big part of why religion exists. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and like that's and like Jude is like the actually the angel of death's always been in this show consistently for some reason, not good reason. Like, are you ready to give up yet? Are you in like the pit of despair? And it's like nine times out of ten, like nah, you know. And and foolishly they kind of now imply death is a choice by like cowards or something, or like yeah, ah, you just gave up. <laughs> I'm built know? different. I I would simply choose <laughs> well, not you, to die. You didn't have a you didn't have a quarter in the continue countdown of the arcade I, in life, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a game over screen. You're like a little guy on a spotlight, and it's like, come on, get back in there, champ. And if you say no, it's like, wow, really? All right, I guess. <laughs> guess you got to start over now. That's what reincarnation Fine, let is. let Hagger get killed with a buzzsaw or whatever. <laughs> oh, my you God. You can't blow out that dynamite. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. So Jude's not into it, and then the next day, like she doesn't sleep at all because she doesn't want to get smooched by death or whatever um and then the next day her and pepper are playing cards in the common room with two other people um and this scene i if you're not watching along with us i cannot there's no way for me to physically explain this the editing in this scene almost made me throw up um it made yeah. me so motion sick i almost threw up and that's not me being hyperbolic that's no. true. Yeah. This this feels oh, like yeah, they this, right, recorded yes. this scene with a hand cam, and then instead of applying a shake removal filter, they applied a shake add feature because it is like two layer. Like it's not. It's like a natural shake and an unnatural shake at the same time, and it just jerks in really weird like horizontal and vertical locked ways while also having like some organic like more circular hand motion in it and it is fucking nauseating it's really bad here's here's some here's potential you listening do you mean kind of like at the start of midsummer where ari aster uses the drone that goes upside down to create a dizzying effect no I mean, it's more kind of like the camera goes upside down to show you the underside of something on a glass table in one take, and there's no real reason for it, and it is, and it really is just sickening. Like, there's no artistic merit that I can see behind it. You know, it's just awful. I hate it, and I, yeah. I don't want any. This, yeah. this episode in general has maybe the worst camera work in the entire show I've seen so far. Like, yeah, it's is... uh, it's upsetting to behold. Yeah. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I can think of is like maybe they thought it would be like an artistic choice to try and clue us in that like maybe what we're seeing is not necessarily like the reality, but they did a piss poor job of conveying that. Yeah. 
Also, like, they maybe should have done it in the other order instead of, like, dropping a subtle hint after we had the angel of death walk in and be like, hey, sugar tits! <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you! Oh, wait. Am I thinking of a different... I might be thinking of a different scene. I'm sorry. Never mind. Okay. But, yeah. All right. It's like... Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, the really bad... The shake for me was um, when she was talking to uh, the angel of death. There's, okay. like, a scene, a back and forth where... There's one shot in particular where they're for focusing on uh, Francis Conroy and like she oh, travels from like yeah, okay. the middle of the frame to the edge of the frame without moving because the camera is shaking so fucking hard. I know. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I mixed it up and I'm sorry for the spoiler that there is a much worse thing coming up possibly. Yeah, yeah they try yeah. to do a midsummer thing when someone's walking to a car or whatever. Yeah. The, yeah, the one I'm specifically referring to is the one where Pepper and Jude are just at a table and they, okay, yeah, they're yeah. doing it like if the... If the, they shot The Office, but the plot of The Office was that the documentary crew was on crack cocaine the whole time. Um, it's like unsteady cam and also a bunch of very chunky, hard zooms. And I mean, like, chunky, like your dad fiddling with the new camcorder he just got chunky. Like, the person handling the camera has never hold, held a video camera before and doesn't know what the buttons do. And it is nauseating it is truly nauseating um yeah and then as they're having that conversation death walks in and tries to flirt with alma alma's not into it um she grabs and yells at percy who's a guy who we met who had the lithium problem in the last episode of our podcast um and she's like percy give me your pills and percy's like i took my pills and she's like ah that's not that's not how this works. And I'm like, I don't know that you had time to set up like a distribution um, yeah. system. It's been one day. Uh, also, this this is, if it is like an asylum where they have been very insistently like watching the patients take the medicine. Because like, hey, it this is a thing that you may have had to deal with in your life, particularly if you have an older relative who's gone through dementia. It's very it hurts a lot to go through. It's not a good time of forcing someone to take your medicine. But there's ways to do it right there's like ways to make sure they're taking it and with 12 pills they're not just gonna be like here you go and then watch him like stuff him in his cheek like a chipmunk and then just walk out the door and be like wow i hope he swallowed those <laughs> like, <laughs> it's an asylum like this is like a medical facility for people who have mental issues so like Almost certainly they would not just be like, yeah, just put them in your pocket. Fuck it. Take them when you want, man. <laughs> I mean, knife check was them being like, do you knife have a knife? And then they're like, no. And they're like, all right, sick. And then they just don't lock the knives up. So maybe this asylum just sucks. <laughs> I forgot about knife check. Yeah, Damn it. Great point, Mega Man. Maybe they just did a bad job. <laughs> oh, I, lo I love that they introduced knife check as like an established thing that this place does but then knife check was so bafflingly ineffective that lana was able to just grab a knife immediately after knife check <laughs> yes like, there's knife check but knife check doesn't really do anything you <laughs> yeah know, we have it it's more of just a formality than anything else we don't really give a shit if you grab a knife um it's just so we can check a few boxes we can be like did you give the serial killers a knife no we had knife check okay cool um <laughs> lawyers yeah. are covered now anyway go about your business knife speaking check. of knife check um guess who has a knife it's the angel of death um and she stabs the fuck out of percy um just stabs the shit out of percy uh and then um blows a kiss to jude and what is this scene to establish you might be asking is this like a new <laughs> diatribe we're going down <laughs> nothing she also does maybe the least slick handoff I've ever seen. As somebody who's maybe been involved in like a deal or two that's illicit, this is the worst handoff I've ever seen. Like truly like putting the weapon entirely in the open behind her and then just shoving it in someone else's hands and being like, no one saw that. <laughs> yeah, none of the guards who are all like descending upon the scene could have possibly seen this. Also, everyone will definitely believe it's this person behind me who, like, has almost no faculties, can't speak, and is shaking. And definitely not me, the murderous landlord who just <laughs> loves to kill. <laughs> oh, my God. And, um... And was, and was screaming at this person for failing to do a task for them only seconds prior to being stabbed. Yeah. Which everyone could hear. It's an open room. <laughs> yeah, to the point where, like, Jude noticed it. Like, it wasn't like yeah. a, oh, this was happening from in secret. Like, yeah, Jude was watching it unfold from across the room. 
Um, so anyway, um, later that night, uh, Jude hallucinates the angel of death trying to kill her. Um, so she beats the shit out of another unrelated lady. Um, (laughs) so the takeaway here is that I guess it's going to get even more confusing, but the takeaway in this reveal is that, oh no, it was a different lady who was trying to fuck Jude, I guess. Um, But then it gets more confusing by hard cutting to a different scene where Jude's in a straitjacket in some lady's office in the asylum. Um, And a lady named (laughs) Moe. Yeah. Gamers, my heart sunk so hard when she got into this office because I was like, if it's all a dream, I'm defenestrating myself through the nearest window and there ain't no chance. Nobody's stopping me. I'm going out. Like, I'm leaving. I'm on the third floor and I'm about to be on the zeroth floor at high speed. I can't take this. And luckily, not quite. It, it is a little bit that, but not fully that in a way that's like, it still sucks, but it's tolerable. Yeah, <laughs> My no. windows are safe for today. <laughs> Instead, they just decide to make things so fucking confusing that there's no chance that you figure out what has happened. Um, because she's in a lady's office named Miranda Crump, who's a doctor. I guess she's the new psychologist at the facility. Um, and Dr. Crump is like... What do you mean, Jude? You've had five roommates and you've hated all of them. And then Jude's like, I've had fucking what? Um, And she's been like, and then Jude's like, no, no, you got to talk to the Monsignor. He's going to get me out of here. And she literally, Dr. Crump pulls a, the Monsignor has been gone for two and a half years. Dun, oh, dun, my dun. God. <laughs> Oh, um, I... <laughs> there's one more of those, the by worst, the way. We have one worst, more of those reveals. The worst thing that happens in American Heart is, oh, shit, I forgot something. What, what, what happened? Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's in the earlier scene when she's, like, in getting into the fight with the angel of death before the reveal that it is, in fact, not the angel of death and some random lady. She straight up says, she's like... Come on, sugar tits. We both know there's no way out of Briarcliff. You can't go through the front door. It's only through a body bag. And I'm like, actually, like half the cast is left through the front door. And <laughs> yeah. It's been fine. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> also, it turns actually, out you just can. Most people just walk out. Yeah. Is it yeah. reputation, too? Because she just got there, didn't she? Uh huh. Isn't she yeah. new to Briarcliff? How does she um, know that? Already? Allegedly, because again, they're about to make oh, yeah, this right, so yeah. fucking confusing that you're like, right, but, yeah. but you can't even ask, like, but how? Because there is not an answer. Um, because the next thing that Jude says, because we get one more bump, bump, bump in like a, a succession, like literally 30 seconds, um, is Jude's like, no, no, you got to talk to Pepper. Pepper knows what's up. And then Dr. Crump is like, Pepper, Pepper died in 1966, two years ago. You were quite fond of her and quite upset when she died. And I'm like, you cannot do this, American Horror Story writers. You can't just be like, I'm just going to say some shit. I'm just going <laughs> to say some shit and then don't ask any questions about it. Um, well, like the worst part here, too, is, is, is if you are willing to give the writers the benefit of the doubt and say, like, okay, Jude, for two and a half years, something happened and she started, you know, falling apart or whatever. Like, so over two and a half years, she has now been you know, so beaten down by the system that she has all of these issues and stuff. And then they immediately supplant that by being like, yeah, Pepper died two and a half years ago. So that means like you were fucked up since then. <laughs> like and that's like, the only way this really works. Fucked yeah. up in a notably worse way than the last time we saw her. So like straight up hallucinating another human being and having full conversations with them. Yeah, that's pretty that's your brain's pretty fucked. At you that know point. that like that bullshit version of unreliable narrator. Like, I'm just going to show you some shit. And then later on, uh, that didn't happen. It's kind I of like the fuck up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of like, yeah, it's like that kind of deal. But like with plausible deniability, like they can't even commit to that. Really? It's just like, yeah, yeah we said some shit. Who knows how much of it's true? Anyhow, like, that's what I have is my final note for this. This scene is I'm like, OK, so what are we implying happened that like the Monsignor left two and a half years ago and then she just got like worse for some reason, like d- like demonstratively worse and like so bad that she has been completely disconnected from reality because it seems like if that was the case she probably would have snapped and like beat someone up before like because when 
the Monsignor allegedly comes to talk to her and is like, I'm leaving. It's one of two things. Either that actually happened. Either the Monsignor showed up and was like, I'm leaving. And that was like what caused her mental breakdown. Because that would have been kind of on the same timeline as Pepper dying, if that was the case. Um, And then that's what caused her to hallucinate the angel of death coming for her because of like her own like doubts in her mind or whatever. Because the Monsignor never came back. Or the second option is that the Monsignor just like left and she's just been like super crazy um which doesn't make any sense because that means there's a two and a half year gap that she just allegedly like forgot um and was just like was super crazy but like didn't do anything that was crazy enough to uh warrant being put in a straitjacket like she is right now what i'm saying is that there's not an explanation that explains the two and a half year gap that they say exists there's Mm -hmm. also not an explanation for um so allegedly what happened is the state got donated this facility by the monsignor and by the by the church and they converted it into a prison overflow like an additional prison so you know what the first step is when you're converting an asylum into a prison which is a thing i'm guessing has probably happened like once or twice I think step one would be um, move the people from the asylum to a different asylum because asylums and prisons are the fucking same. <laughs> they are the same fucking thing. Wait, oh my god! I mean, you can't distribute drugs to like a place where prisoners are, like from Mexico, no. huh? Huh? That you know? <laughs> yeah. They're going fucking crazy with this show sometimes, and like the prison asylum dichotomy has been like going on throughout this entire season. It hits a fucking head right now because now they just straight up are saying. Like, yeah, we're just making it also a prison. Are you doing any changes? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah. Of course yeah. not. Because it's always been a prison, you dumb motherfucker. Like, it- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, the, yeah, we just let prisoners walk around. We It was a little bit sketchy when we let the serial killers that were just in Briarcliff walk she around. Just stabbed someone in the middle, and this is not the first <laughs> time it's happened. Like, yeah. This has happened multiple times at this same location. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Um so that's what's going on there. Um we will circle back to this eventually, but now it's time to boot up our third subplot of this episode. <laughs> um which is Lana, who we're calling um Lana again. Lana, Lana again. Yeah. Um some non-disclosed date in the future, I guess. Um who could say? Uh, and she's doing a book signing for one of her books um that's been out for 10 weeks, I guess. Uh, Because she says that. I have no idea how that fits into our timeline, nor do I care or want to know. (laughs) Um, And she starts reading an excerpt from her book before the book signing, which feels like a little weird for the book subject content matter. Right? First of all, not appropriate for an autobiographical reading. Yeah, not even a little bit. Hey, let me read a part about where I got sexually assaulted. Yeah, not great. Not a good, not great material for that. Um... Yeah. You know. Yeah. Also, get ready to meet the final boss of American Horror Stories. <laughs> oh you God. thought it was the serial killer? You thought it was the other serial killer? You thought it was the literal devil? You thought it was aliens? You thought it was the entirety of the Catholic Church? You thought it was the penal system? Nah, motherfucker. An author embellished your book a little bit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You're going to hell! <laughs> this was the plot of one of the Saw movies, and I think that's beautiful. Um, (laughs) I think that's beautiful. They stole this storyline from one of the Saw movies. Um, so yeah, Lana's reading, uh, some of her book, which feels a bit weird. Um, and then she starts like telling a story Uh, that we all know is fake. Unsurprisingly, by the way, not a good writer. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. Not a good writer. Um, she like tells this weird story of like Threadson bringing down like another victim and then murdering that victim and being like, this is your fault or some shit that doesn't even make sense for like Threadson and like what the public knows about him as a serial killer. Um, yeah, she didn't like make up more weird milk stuff. Like she added like a new, like she really should have leaned into that if well, she wanted it to be thing. believable. Well, that's my thing. We're about to find out. She like heavily embellished and changed a lot of aspects of the book where I'm like, but that changed like one of the things that made your story unique and interesting. You don't need to embellish your story. It's fucking insane. Your story well, is fucking insane. 
but she, like she's a terrifically bad writer where it's almost like like she's just like the the days it, at Briarcliff felt like an eternity like time had no meaning like like what did you just like do this in a five minutes well the answer is yes you know but yeah. like it's so bad you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, it's a lot. And so while she's telling the story that we know is bullshit, Threadson's ghost or something stands up <sighs> from the audience and starts arguing with her. So like, it's unclear whether Lana is also maybe having a bit of a mental break. She won't by <laughs> it, the end of this episode. Uh, also, he's like, he's like, I didn't really do that. You made it up. You had to embellish it to sell more copies. You don't care about the truth. And it's like. Dude, you like murdered a bunch of people in like second. Like, where? What ground to stand on? Do you fucking have? Like, like, you can't have a serial killer come in and be like, "I have the moral high ground." Like, no, you do not. And, you know, <laughs> some of you might be saying, like, "But wait, wait, isn't this like Lana's like mind mental version of threats?" And maybe, and it's like, okay, fine, but then like. Also, why would she choose him as the person to make her feel guilty? She's like, yeah, motherfucker, what do I care about your life? Eat shit, you know? Which, I hate which you. leads into the one that actually would be yes. like something to feel guilty about and hurtful. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense for her to lie about because they already, oh, you mean the sapphic reporter? Like, everybody knows you gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Which, in case it's not clear, after Threadson starts arguing with her, Wendy's ghost also stands up and starts arguing with her. And she's like, you made me asexual and you made me your roommate. And I'm like, you know what, Wendy? Excellent point. Why did you do that? Like, everybody knows you're gay. And also, like, you being her wife is a lot more um, meaningful than being a roommate. Like, that adds a whole level of gravity to the story that is not present if it's just a roommate. Especially the part where they betrayed you and signed away your life to protect themselves because the hate for the LGBT community is so high and so fervent right now. There's almost, like, a great point to be made there. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, Um, (laughs) sorry, I got more story to tell for some reason. So yeah, they like they or they being Lana like redacts her relationship with Wendy, which doesn't make any sense uh, at all. Um, And then the host of the book signing is like, "Hey, are you okay, Lana? You're like crying and spaced out and shit. Um, It's a little weird." Is this emotional for you? This your life story of like trauma and everything? You doing all right? Just making sure. Anyway. And then everybody starts clapping on uh, Lana's like, actually, this kicks ass. Um, and then <laughs> Lana's assistant, Rena, shows up and Lana is just a, like a mega bitch to her about almonds for some reason. Um, we dedicate actual moments of this television show to this scene for some reason. Um, I guess to identify it's, that Lana sucks now, I guess. Yeah, it's like, um, it's kind of like, you know how characters are supposed to like kind of leave their stories and have learned a thing and it's like, nah, none of this meant anything to me, you know? Briarcliff Which, makes everyone nasty is the moral of the story, I guess, yeah. except for um, one but, person. Right. But she kind of always, right at the start, she was just sort of like, I just want the store, I just want the scoop, you know, and then she still is. But it's I, like, love right. I love a scoop. I love getting a scoop. Uh, yeah, speaking of the one person who didn't get made nasty by Briarcliff, um, Lana goes to sign all the books, and she's signing a book, and she's like, who do I make it out to? And then it pans up, and Kit's like, Kit Walker. Uh, and she's <laughs> like, oh, shit! <laughs> it's Kit oh, Walker! Oh, bring it in, you! <laughs> uh, and so, this means this is at least 1968, because she says she's sorry about Grace. So that means that Grace is dead at this point, and that Alma is in Briarcliff. Um... I'm just saying this so that people know a little bit about what the time frame is because it's very confusing. Um, and Lana's like, we should um, talk about this. Also, they're making my book into a movie. Isn't that so cool? Which is like a weird flex to do on Kit after saying, sorry, your girlfriend died. Um, <laughs> a weird thing to tack on after being like, sorry about your baby mama. Did you hear they're making my shit into a movie? Is that cool or what? Um, (laughs) and then he's like this is me trying to talk to my friends after I have a cool ass day and they got into a car accident or whatever and I'm like (laughs) really excited about my shit but I'm like well I mean they just got in a car I have to focus on them first (laughs) but I do want to talk about my cool shit (laughs) yeah Lana's just like nah I'm making a movie asshole (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, and she even she's like, what if there was like a really hot actress for me? And Kit's like, yeah, that, that'd, that'd be, be cool, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kit's like, can we like talk about some stuff over coffee? I like need your help with something. And she's like, yeah, it sounds great. Fuck this book reading. I'm going to go get coffee with Kit. Um, and then they go to have coffee. Now we have another location um, and they're at a coffee shop having this discussion. And Kit's like, hey, have you been back to Briarcliff? And Lana's like, I don't give a shit about that. Anyway, about my book. I'm writing another book, actually, about Lee, um, the Santa Claus guy who we never interacted with. Did you know that after he escaped, he went on to murder like seven nuns? Is that crazy or what? And Kit is like, what the fuck are you talking about? We never even interacted with Lee. Why are you writing a book about him? Um, and then Kit kind of gets like a little snippy uh, with her and is like, we got to take down Briarcliff. I don't give a shit about the Santa Claus. Just like the audience. I don't give a shit about the Santa Claus murderer. Um, <laughs> and- the Santa Claus is neither here nor there, but head in the game, Lana. Remember when yeah. we said this? We had this whole thing about taking down Briarcliff. Even that nun said salting the earth, remember? Uh, yeah. It, didn't she have a stake in this too? Didn't she say she wanted it? Is she helping? No. We will literally never see that character again, but it's fine. Um, So yeah, uh, Lana is like, I think I like being famous too much now, so I don't really care about Briarcliff anymore. I'm like too famous for that, which seems like a little bit out of character, um, given that like the last motivation we saw for this character, aside from her murdering Threadson, um, was her being like, I care about one more thing, and that's getting Jude out of Briarcliff. That's like my goal in life is to get Jude out of there. No more violence, no more murder, no more cruelty. That was my whole deal. Um, but now, Since fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> Since when was that your whole deal? Yeah, um, they they couldn't decide what they wanted her to be. So they've just decided it's whatever the plot needs at the current time. So speaking of her motivation to get Jude out of Briarcliff, um, she starts like <laughs> shit talking people about or shit talking people who are in Briarcliff. She's like, you don't really want me to save Briarcliff. Like it's full of a bunch of like losers and idiots and crazy people. And Kit's like, hey, that's my like- fucking wife you're talking about in there. <laughs> Only assholes have been in Briarcliff, Lana says, looking Kit straight in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, us included. Um, and he's like, that's my wife in the there. most included. <laughs> yeah. Only, <laughs> only people who've actually been committed guilty of crimes have been in Briarcliff, Kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Lana kind of has the reaction that I think all of us would, which is, wait, what the fuck are you talking about, Kit? And then we get a flashback or just like a different scene where we see Kit <laughs> visiting Alma and Briarcliff and he has some fucking crazy. The way they decide to establish this as a flashback versus it being current time when he's talking to Lana is by giving him the most fucking insane sideburns I've ever seen in this scene. <laughs> They're like, we need a visual indicator. Give him a cabbie hat and the fucking craziest <laughs> sideburns you have ever fucking seen. I was going through a phase. I was in the heads and chops. What do you want? <laughs> he fully is. Because I cannot, I cannot express enough that that is not what he looked like in the scenes with Alma and Grace. He did not have these crazy fucking sideburns in the cabbie hat. This is specifically for this set of scenes only. Um, and Alma is like, hey, can you bring the kids to come see me? This place fucking sucks and i would love to see our kids and while this is happening a dude behind them in a wheelchair pulls his catheter out and starts waving it around and they have once again confused an iv and a catheter yeah in this show so this guy's getting a saline drip directly into his penis which is <laughs> yeah, pretty cool a saline drip it doesn't of have piss. a lot of medical benefits he's getting a saline drip of piss directly into his penis which is a new and inventive <laughs> treatment penis, they're putting it back in there <laughs> yeah. yeah we gotta get that in there you're out of pee <laughs> i hate when i'm out of pee um and then also, like, behind him, if you wouldn't have noticed it if you weren't, like, screen capping this scene, which I was, they just have a dude sitting on the floor behind him who has been wrapped in duct tape, like, a hundred times. It's super funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> which means they wrapped an extra in duct tape just to have him sitting on the floor behind the catheter guy who's only in one <laughs> second. 
<laughs> they just let you do this in prison. Yeah. Um, and then they look over to the other side of the room and they see two people fucking on a chair. And she's like, you know what? Actually, don't bring the kids here. This place sucks too bad. And I'm like, it's I don't so even think again, they would, things actually. You can do in the, right. Things you can do in prison. Just go fuck on the cuck chair in the corner of the main room, <laughs> yeah. I guess. And no <laughs> one says like- anything or does anything about it. It's almost like there's supposed to be a laugh track, too, right? It's just like, yeah. wait, wait, you know what I mean? Like, t- can you bring the kids and then like, oh, maybe not here. <laughs> oh, young Sheldon. You know, like. Yeah, it very much so <laughs> reads like it was supposed to be like a funny, like, where they like nervously sweat and like dab their forehead type mm-hmm. deal. Um, <laughs> and then it just hard cuts back to Lana and Kid at the coffee shop. Because I guess that was like a Family Guy style cutaway. And <laughs> Kit's like... Remember that time I saw my wife miserable? <laughs> hey, Pete. And then as if that wasn't jarring enough, he's like, also, by the way, Alma died. And then it cuts back to Briarcliff. Now, you might wonder what kind of poetic death could they have put together to write out <laughs> Alma, a character who has largely been an icon throughout the series as in like she wasn't really a character she was more just like a passive ideal that kit referenced yeah a symbol exactly so like how are they going to make sure this symbol goes out with an incredibly symbolic death especially since she was the core of the themes of race that they tried to weave in a little bit so like how are they going to justify this and really make that race element have a way that's it's tied up in a way that is satisfying and not offensive. Just kidding, she just dies. Yeah, I was gonna say you're wondering that. What podcast were you listening to? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah she, she just died. She got tired or bored yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like they literally just like, yeah, her heart stopped. We don't know. She just got she got done being alive. She, like she uh, uninstalled Minecraft. Yeah. she got tired. They quite literally could have just because they have a nurse talking to Kit explaining what happened. And, like, he's like, how'd she die? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, it, you literally could have just had that same nurse be like, she got stabbed by a crazy person who was here. Like, literally, yeah. that's all you would have had to, because we wouldn't have been like, oh, well, what crazy person? Like, we wouldn't have given a shit. But instead, you were like, mm, she just decided she was done, actually. She had she a did, broken did she, heart. Yeah. It, like, it wasn't even like, oh, she killed herself. It's just like, no, she just stopped. <laughs> like she just stopped living. She the angel of death showed up and was like, "Do you want to keep going?" And she was like, "No." Um, you want to <laughs> bang and keep? You want to die a bang? She said, yeah. "I'll die." Ah, <laughs> oh, shit! One of these days. Yeah, one of these days it's gonna pay off. Well, I mean, technically she died, so the angel of death gets a W here, um, a weird W hey. that she shouldn't have gotten, but she does get one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're just like, yeah, Alma just kind of s- stopped living they could have even that, she got that default death note death of just her heart kind of got uh, tired like, and she lied down I, yeah i cannot overstate how much it would have even provided an added <laughs> added motivation for like her to have gotten stabbed by a person at briarcliff because that would have given kit like a righteous fury of like everything that touches briar or that's touched by briarcliff like gets destroyed like that would have given him like some kind of motivation to be like she didn't deserve this like briarcliff yeah. killed both of the women women in my life like it would give the character some kind of righteous indignation yeah. mm, the, no. the John Wickian motivation of I have one thing that still chains me to happiness in this universe ah it's gone now because yeah. Briar it was just yeah because of Briarcliff but instead it's just like nah Alma just wasn't she was tired of waiting for you yeah bro. She, was, she wasn't <laughs> feeling it she checked yeah. out she's like no thanks she didn't kill herself we cannot overstate she did not kill herself That's- Especially in a show where you have an established character and like universal fabric figure that shows up and goes, hey, do you want to die or like you good and you want to keep going? So that means Alma definitively was like, fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Fuck this. Fuck the aliens. Like they could have even tied the aliens into it and been like, yeah, one day um, she just wasn't there. We assume she died or escaped or something um and then kit would always have to wonder if it was the aliens coming back or something like that um no it's just that she um decided she was done uh and went to sleep and didn't wake up something really like a cool weird alien angle of like a body snatcher thing of like kit shows up one day and she's just real different and real weird and then the like patients or whatever tell her like yeah she was gone for a couple days and just came back i don't know yeah (laughs) it's it's crazy 
What um, is this? Like, what is this horror? Anything. Get out of here. It's like comedy drama now, you know? Yeah. You have a death of a character in a horror franchise, which to me sounds like that's an opportunity, right? Like, yeah. in yeah. horror media, that's really a main one character. of the most important opportunities you get. Yeah. yeah. Yep. A yep. named yep. character that has, like, gravitas and is important because, again, cannot reiterate enough times, even though you are hearing this in two separate episodes from us, this is still the same episode we were talking in, about in the last episode of our podcast. Podcast, which means all of that shit with Alma and Grace and the axe murder was like 10 minutes ago in this episode. So like, it's not like she's been out of the question for like a whole episode and we forgot about her. No, the axe murder happened like 10 minutes ago in universe. Like... This is this is very much the writers' room sitting around and being like, "Wait, we're writing that character out already? Are you sure?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there, and also like, I guess not being able to, I, you know what it is, and this is, it's gonna m- sound shitty, but like, I cannot give the writers any credit. I literally cannot. That's, that doesn't is, sound shitty at all. That sounds very smart. Well, no, Sorry. like, <laughs> it sounds shitty, but I really think it, what it was is they were like, oh, well, how are we going to tie up all of these, like, racial justice things that we've tied to Kit and Alma? And, like, because earlier in this episode, we had Kit signing up to go to an MLK march, and also we showed MLK dying on TV about five minutes ago in the episode. So how are we going to give a satisfying and meaningful... um ending to these characters and their story are we gonna make that like the character's motivation from now on or what ah oh, fuck there's no way we can handle that in a tactful way just write her out just write her out say she died in her sleep fuck it we this is the least the path of least resistance just write her out of the story um do you, do you know what do you want to know something is i think you know how in the podcast we've been saying alma is like this um not standing what's the word i'm looking for like like this kind of like uh key element of like race relations and things like that mm-hmm. that's more thought than any of the writers put in i'm gonna bet you anything this is like they probably even did that mlk stuff with kit just to like put it in the right time period and didn't even connect the dots if you want my honest based opinion. on the fact that they literally just picked all along the watchtower because it came out in 68 yeah man probably yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, as if that wasn't wild enough, uh, we're back at the coffee shop and Kit's like, by the way, while I was there um, getting my wife's body back because she died, remember, um, uh, Jude was also there. And Lana's like, what do you mean? I saw her death certificate. And at that point... <laughs> Kit should have just been like, yeah, man, all of us have death certificates. You of all people should know that. Like, we're all legally dead. Briarcliff, like, does that. (laughs) That's the thing that we know that Briarcliff does. Yeah, like, personally, from perspective of the characters, this would be a moment to realize, like, oh, she just actually doesn't really care that much. Like, she knew, but as soon as she had any kind of excuse to just get out of there and detach from it, she took it and is now, like, writing things away from that to try and keep herself separate from it. Um, But no, it's, like, legitimately just Lana's really stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean? I saw her death certificate. And Kit's like, I don't have time to fucking unpack that. So... It's like the Monsignor scribbled on a sticky note, Jude is dead, and slid it across his desk to you. And you were like, oh my God, she died. <laughs> That's so crazy. He has diplomatic immunity. This is so crazy. Um, yeah. And then it cuts back to uh, the same flashback shots of Kit seeing Jude in the common room watching TV. And Kit like comes up to Jude because, again, Kit's the only person who's not a piece of shit. And is like, hey, Jude, what's going on? And Jude's like fully unresponsive. And then she is confusingly lucid and unresponsive (sighs) by pointing at the TV and is like, Kit, you're not going to believe this. They made this movie about me. They stole my story and they made this movie about me. And she is pointing at a movie called The Flying Nun. Um, Is that a poignant piece about mental health and religion you might be asking no it's a movie about a nun whose hat was too big and she can fly because of it it's dumbo (laughs) but with nuns instead of elephant ears um and that's what jude thinks is the movie based on her life uh she's very convinced of this which good job american horror story i don't know if that's funny or not um you've never made me so confused by a character in my life um and then 
We got plenty more seasons, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So true. Um, Lana-, and Lana has decided to take her gallon of women respecting juice and chuck it out the window and shatter it on the ground because <laughs> yeah. she fucking hates Jude now. I've yeah. decided I hate Jude. She's like, oh, Jude is alive? <laughs> Actually, you know what? It's one of those things where, like, someone tried to make plans with Lana and she's like, oh, sorry, I already have a thing that day. And they're like, oh, no, we could do it around your schedule. And she's like, oh, well, actually, I'm allergic to shellfish and you want to go to a shellfish thing oh no we could go somewhere else oh well um uh, my dog is sick like she's just like making up new reasons why she can't go to Briarcliff. um and now her reason is that she hates jude actually um and then kit gets in his truck in the parking lot and they do the most fucking confusing transition i have ever seen where kit gets in his truck and drives away there is a car already (laughs) in the parking lot i forgot about this like there is a car in the parking lot as kit is doing this and then it pans into the car that was already in the parking lot 1968 um and then in the car weird like they do a weird like color filter change as well to like try and show past the future but like we haven't established color gradings for different periods of time as like a motif this show uses. So yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, it's like more blue now. Great. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, this is a little more nitpicky because the show is not at this level yet. But also like as a series, we've established that these things happen through title cards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we don't do this. American they love Horror title Story. cards. They yeah. love title cards in American Horror Story. It's how I can keep time straight most of the time. But that, uh, yeah, that's their choice. But there's like, you have to be consistent. Like, what are we doing? But you know, again, they're not there yet. You know? Yeah. They do it's a there. saw two ass transition of um, zooming in on the car and I'm this is gonna sound like I'm really funny I'm not this funny um to Johnny in the car smoking crack um (laughs) (laughs) yeah they just like have him we were a little confused whether or not it was crack or weed last episode and they the writers noticed and they were like sorry it's crack and they just have him very clearly like holding a bulbed pipe and heating it like it's so funny to me that they have him doing it like center frame because they're like oh people weren't sure if it was weed or crack last time let's really make sure they know it's crack like we're not we don't think weed makes you crazy we gotta we gotta make sure we highlight this which by the way, you may be wondering, well, why does this character smoke crack? Does he act like someone who has smoked crack? No, he's That's a That's ba- a good question, Mega Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no. he, he acts about as crazy as his father who didn't smoke crack did. So I, I don't know. They were like, he doesn't have quite as much trauma as Threadson. So we need to make him also smoke crack in order to identify why he does the things that he does. Um. Not the actions of someone who has smoked crack, just a crazy person. Um, And he goes into the bookstore where 44 years ago, Lana was signing books. And he's like, hey, lady who's cleaning out their shutting down bookstore. uh, I need a first edition of Lana's book that I can't remember the name of. Maniac or some shit. Um, You have a signed copy of it and I need it. And she's like. I don't have it. And he's like, the computer told me, he says this, the computer told me that this bookstore has a signed copy of it. And the lady who's boxing up the books is like, well, that's my mother's personal copy. I can't sell it. it. Then why would it be on the book, like in the computer? Yeah, I'm like, what website was Johnny looking at that he (laughs) told him that this lady's mom had a personal (laughs) copy? It's not like a first print of like Shakespeare or some shit. Like it's a book that came out like a couple years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and like not like one of the most popular books ever. It's not like I could just like, it's not like a Stephen King original or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. What website did Johnny use? The one that people who smoke crack use, evidently. Um, and then there is a wild dialogue between him and this storekeeper where they are just <laughs> saying word salad despite one you another. Know, he rolled a 20 on Google's. I'm, it's, I'm feeling lucky. That's how it works. Anyway, <laughs> oh, is that sorry. how that works? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. He typed, What's the best shit you got into Google and hit, <laughs> I'm feeling lucky. And they're like, Oh, we got your book, man. Yeah. No problem. Man. This lady's um, mom has so- a copy. It's great. <laughs> 
And, and yeah, this dialogue is crazy. And the reason for that is they realized after doing the setup of like, it's a closing bookstore that like the business is closing. They're clearly on the way out, all that stuff. If someone walked in and said, I will pay any price for the first edition of this book to you, a person who is like clearly in desperate need for finances at the moment, they would say, yeah, let me go get that for you. <laughs> so they had to like write a whole story of why she isn't just like, yeah, let me go get that for you. <laughs> yeah, she's like, my dad was my my mom's own personal bloody face. And I'm like, that is a pretty extreme comparison to make if your dad was not a serial killer. Right? Because even like if they're abusive or whatever, it's still like, that's that was my own personal Ted Bundy. Like, how's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> like, know, whoa. Like, uh, <laughs> Do we need to, like, open an investigation on your dad? Like, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> what can I say? You know, that my coworker was really my uh, my own personal Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. Like, what is that? What? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Johnny's like, here's $20. Name your price. Uh, I'm the author's son. And he's she says... Listen, I'm not, this is not a bit. This is a quote. Listen, I was a woman's study major. I know for a fact that Lana only had one baby and it was Bloody Face's baby. And that baby died at birth. And I'm like, okay, so that's something that Lana di- died about, lied about in her book. Um, how did she manage to lie yeah, she about like, it? Grab the baby and like huck it like a football out the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she like had it legitimately like at a hospital to the point where like they knew she was its mom because they forced her to nurse him. I I don't know. They somehow she lied about this and no one thought it was weird. Everyone was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Um, we don't have any way to verify that that baby that everyone knows was born. Um survived at the hospital hospitals don't keep records or anything um (laughs) there's no way to verify this information famously yeah famously the medical industry hates records yeah uh and johnny's like can i like at least see the book and the lady's like lucky for you it's three inches away from me at this exact point in time (laughs) um it, it is legitimately like they do. So in the film Kung Pao, there's a part where they, as a joke, have a character go, hey, do you know where I could find any like one and a half inch metal pyramids roughly about this shape? And then the char- the other character goes, why, yes, right here in my hand. And he's just already holding them. And, like, <laughs> the bit. and this shopkeeper does that where he's like, well, can I at least see the first edition copy with the signature of my mother that I've never met before? It's like, mm-hmm. I know it's a really oddly specific request, but can I see it? And she goes, yeah, it's right here under this desk I'm standing next to. Yeah, I happen to walk right to it. I I, I know I crossed the room to be here, but I do happen to be right here. I know I said I had no intention of showing you or giving you the book, but I did walk over to it in advance, just in case. Also, in case it wasn't clear, this is my mother's personal copy that I keep here in the bookstore. Remember, it's not for sale, but I do keep it here. It's very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. thing could be like a scary movie seven bit but like even scary movie wouldn't be like this funny frankly uh, and then we get a monologue that maybe could be cool if it was being given to lana instead of the shopkeeper but because johnny smoked crack i guess he starts to give his manifesto to the shopkeeper after he sees the book and he's like i'm gonna take this book and i'm gonna show it to lana and the first time i meet lana i'm gonna say I'm in your book, but I didn't die. I'm that piece of trash you threw away 48 years ago. I'm your son, Lana, and then I'm going to shoot her. Um, which, like, that's cool. Um, that feels like a show-don't-tell thing for a character to do. Yeah, um, That feels like, like the kind of thing he should have maybe just done instead of telling a character we don't give a shit about about it. Um, right? Because that's now that opens the question of why aren't the cops arresting him in the season finale? You know, spoiler. And then the shopkeeper does the most sane shit anyone has ever done in right? this entire yes. franchise. I was thinking that and too. And after this man gives a clearly psychotic, unhinged rant about how he's going to kill the author of this book and needs it, and it's his fate, she just goes, Yeah, I don't need this, and hands him the book. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, because I thought for sure. I'm like, and here's where she dies. And it's like, whoa, you did, yeah, good job, yeah. American Horror Story character. Yeah, because it absolutely after that you'd be like, you know what, twenty dollars is fair. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, you little freak. Cool story. Here's oh, your book. Oh, maniac. You yeah, know, I'm sorry. I thought, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the end of the episode. Ta-da. So one thing I would like to revisit because we totally forgot it. And sure. um, speaking of lines that they clearly thought were very cool and very hard, they do have the angel of death say the least cool thing in the universe and then try to like hover on it like it's anything where like Lana's being or not Lana um Jude Jude is being intimidated by her and yeah she's just like you can either rule the roost with me or be another dumb cluck and they really <laughs> thought that was like a hot oh, line God. and I'm like what the fuck is this what are you intimidating a five year old like <laughs> you better watch out Mickey Mouse I'm gonna kick your ass <laughs> <laughs> holy shit this That's was like a liter- such a cool episode <laughs> damn well, okay. we have one Slowly, left. If you started watching the next one and you said it was pretty good, right? I, I'm I'm dying for you both to see the next one. <laughs> I'm I'm like, please, everyone at home, like, just do like just do the needful. You get, rip it off like a band aid. You're gonna love it. It's so good. It's final episode, right? <laughs> yeah, episode 13's last one. Oh All yeah. Right, yeah, I have a feeling this one's gonna be at least a two-parter, gamers. But um, yeah, yeah. look forward to. Oh my god, the fi- one episode to wrap all this up, huh? That's nuts. <laughs> they so were cool. wrapped up. They were wrapped up two episodes ago. It's so. And then they unwrapped it. They re-unwrapped it. Beef. They opened it back up. And then, yeah. oh god. And That's so wait. cool. I can't wait to see what happens. I know, yeah. and so, it's great. It's like even though it's not the first time for Liz and I, it kind of is because you mm-hmm. block all of it out. It turns out. So, sorry. Oh, you forgot the angel of death became a, uh, a hateful lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, uh, spoiler: I forgot other things. A hateful but lesbian with a Boston accent who was also a serial killer <laughs> landlord. Yeah, I did repress that. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well. All right. Um, Till next time, everybody, where we watch an episode called Madness Ends, but I have a feeling that's baloney. (laughs) (laughs) Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.